0: Welcome to episode 21 of Storm the Norm, the fortnightly podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I'm Narayan.
1: And I'm Anisha Motwani.
0: Storm the Norm is now brought to you in association with Grant Thornton Bharat and includes GT Insights, a special capsule from a GT expert. On to today's episode now. Mm -hmm. Anisha, I dare say this time around that we could look at the norm as one that examines Whether businesses come in the way of a successful world, one that enables progress for all, not merely one that comes in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world.
1: That's both intriguing and thought-provoking. What do you have in mind,
0: Narayan? The norm is that CSR has become corporate social regulation rather than corporate social responsibility, especially with the recent updates to the law in India. But I have a lot of fundamental questions even before we get to the norm.
1: In other words, you're saying that the norm has become, corporate social responsibility has become more of a burden than a responsibility. Is
0: that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to sound a little militant here, and so pardon me for that, uh, Anisha. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a theme that does get me riled up, especially mm-hmm. because, again, I'm in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let me get back to my questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in no particular order, but let me just reel them off. Is the notion of CSR, even if we say that R is about responsibility, is the notion of CSR itself inadequate currently? The popular mantra is do well by doing good. But is doing good enough when the model of capitalism is under question, sometimes being equated to corporate greed. And while on this, are brands going too far with the whole purpose marketing thing? Mm-hmm. Are brands really going to help eradicate global hunger, poverty, the refugee crisis, and they can't even seem to solve their own customers' complaints about mm-hmm. their products and services? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I feel, is CSI being used as a convenient shield for reputation laundering and, and bulk washing, as the kids call it these days?
1: All tough but super pertinent questions, Narayan. A crisis usually brings out the best and worst in human nature. And I guess both government and corporates are avatars of human nature at some level. After all, it's the people that make up corporates and government with all their biases, weaknesses, and strengths. And the current COVID-19 induced crisis has the entire world, particularly India, reeling right now under it. And it's well worth asking the question, if doing good is enough? And that brings me to the norm. Would you say that, in fact, CSR becoming corporate social regulation is better than it being a
0: quasi-voluntary corporate social responsibility? There are so many complex questions, in that one question you asked, Anisha. Mm -hmm. Uh, Governments haven't exactly shown themselves up in shining light anywhere in the world, except Mm -hmm. maybe in New Zealand in recent times. So in an age where minimum government, maximum governance is touted as a virtue, the reality is often the opposite. And is it wise in that context to give government the power to regulate corporates to walk the talk on their virtue signaling exercises with CSR? And on the other hand, given corporates' singular focus on maximizing of profit and shareholder value and therefore resulting above all in disastrously inequitable wealth distribution, it doesn't seem like if they were left to their own devices, corporates would contribute to equitable progress for all.
1: I hear you, narayan Forget minimum government or maximum governance, it seems like politicians' singular focus is 24-7, 365 campaigning and winning elections. Disinterest in governance is a dangerous ingredient to add to the mix of inept government. On the other hand, look at the current commentary around the IPL in the midst of the out-of-control COVID crisis in India. Most people are accusing the IPL, the BCCI and the cricketers of being completely tone deaf in their bio-bubbles while the nation is literally gasping for breath, literally and physically, as I would say. Mm. There's, of course, the idea that the IPL provides a much needed distraction from the unending cycle of cries for help, large scale disaster and an abdication of responsibility by the powers that be.
0: Indeed, Anisha. I mean, the reality is people are asking for the basics of life guaranteed under a nation's constitution, you know, access to health, the ability to organize, the freedom to express in order to achieve a certain minimum level of socioeconomic progress from the government and not have the government be the obstacle to that progress. And they are asking for a certain minimum empathy, commitment and convenience from corporates to share in those goals and not be the cause of those socioeconomic inequities in the first place.
1: So, What then is the meeting ground between regulation and responsibility? How is this norm going to be stormed?
0: Talking of abdication of responsibility, I'm going to take refuge in that phrase, albeit a little lightheartedly. Uh, so before I offer my perspective on this, uh, let me introduce our guest expert for the day to throw light on this difficult subject. Joining us all the way from London, UK, is Bhavani Singh Shekhawat. Bhavani has led large MNC organizations like Nielsen, Kit, Coca-Cola internationally in various capacities as CEO, Regional Managing Director, Global Director, in multiple geographies. Currently, he's based in London and is now dedicated to the not-for-profit sector. He co-founded Adhyaayan Foundation and is also a trustee and CEO with Akshayapatra Europe. Bhavani, it is a pleasure to have you here on this episode of Storm the Norm.
1: Thank you, Bhavani, for joining us and a very, very warm welcome. As you know, for today's norm, we couldn't have found a better person. So I'm going to straight away Begin by asking your take on the norm first. CSR today is no more a corporate social responsibility. It's become a corporate social regulation. With India being the first country to mandate CSR through the Companies Act by making sure that 2% of the average profits are getting into a CSR pool, no other country has done that this very prescriptive, almost hardwired approach to CSR takes the, almost the soul out of the way we understood CSR. What's your take on that?
2: Well, Anisha, first of all, thanks for having me. It's absolutely a pleasure to be on this podcast, and and of course to relook at some of the norms that we may have been engulfed by, uh, sometimes just because of the nomenclature. And I think you ask a very fundamental question, and we must ask more of these, you know. Uh, and to me, it really begins with when common sense mm-hmm. needs to be prescribed.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You
2: know, that's really a fundamental. And you know, to me, it's been always interesting that most systems around the world. Uh, were legislated uh, because someone abused the freedom that, uh, that went uh, way before the legislation. In other words, you know, um, we, we, see, we see a lot of legislation around us, which at one point in time was not required. So when does something that this common sense become need to be legislated? Uh, and to me, that's a fundamental question around CSR. So the reason why we probably have uh, a norm of CSR is because people, organizations, and entities were acting irresponsibly. You know, the fact that uh, uh, over the last decade or so, in India, we've seen close to a 48%, close to 50% growth in how companies are spending their money towards what might be within quotes called social causes. Um, Perhaps to some might be an indication that, look, CSR is good. But to me, I think it's only really a part of the solution to what is an increasingly bigger problem so um, yes it is it seems like more like a regulation definitely it's treated and responded to by a lot of organizations more like a regulation and I wouldn't paint everyone with the same brush uh, but yes there is there is a sense of legislation that allows people to say okay we need to divert a certain amount of our profits um, but I think we must ask this question is that why do the entities that are mandated with CSR act irresponsibly to begin with. Because, you know, at the end of it, if you act responsibly every day, you don't need a regulation. And there is that fundamental tension between corporate profits and social goods. Now, rather than having this overhang of CSR, if we could find ways in which, with which we could resolve this tension Hmm. that corporate profits and social good cannot coexist together. Mm-hmm. Now the, to me, it's again very interesting because if you look at any corporate organization at a purpose level, they will talk about transforming the societies you know transforming the kind of lives of people that they serve at the fundamental level that's what they all profess. Mm-hmm. but then the metric mm-hmm. that they use to to mm-hmm. determine whether they've achieved that purpose or not is actually more product sales mm-hmm. And, and therefore, you know, we have this tension between some people being value consumers and some people being value creators. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there needs to be a bridge Mm -hmm. between the two. I think that's a fundamental question that rather than whether, rather than ask the question whether CSR is good or bad, Mm -hmm. I think we must ask this question around how can we resolve this tension between private profits and public good? And is there a new set of metrics, therefore, we could introduce that will then transform into a certain amount of investment. And of course, you know, there are lots of people smarter than me who've talked about it. People like BCG have talked about total social impact, but I think it's more, it's to me, it's a lot more than that. It's to me a lot beyond that, that Mm -hmm. that CSR, by itself will never going to be enough, you know, and I'll just give you one statistic and then uh, we'll probably move the discussion along. And if you look at the 16 SDGs and the one that is around partnerships, so we have 17 SDGs. uh, And if you look at the amount of funding that is required to be able to meet the goals that these SDGs have set out for themselves, that gap a few years ago was close to a hundred trillion dollars. Hmm. There will be never enough money hmm. to solve our big problems. And the fact that if you look at our SDGs, hmm. the top few SDGs, almost all of them hmm. have been around for such a long time. You know, And to me, this is quite a travesty that on the one hand, we are still solving for the same problems that we were solving 100 years ago. Sure. hunger, malnutrition, poverty, inequality, and we've created uh, climate change as, as another problem. Yeah. So all of this has remained over the last 100 years, when over the last 100 years, our GDPs and corporate profits have galloped away. So there is this disconnect yeah. and we need to resolve that disconnect. And therefore, probably we need to really start thinking around moving beyond corporate social responsibility to something which is, which is around creating a bigger, systemic impact for the society and to me that's when one plus one becomes a lot more than two
1: so you know i don't want to interrupt you because you've you've started on a trail which is something very very unique what could be this bigger systemic shift what are your top of mind thoughts you know being in this space social space for so long what comes to your mind
2: and and before i entered or ventured uh, as a student into the social space a lot of my life was dedicated in the corporate for profit world uh, with large multinational uh, yeah,
1: I am aware of that yes right? so i think you
2: know the shift really is about b- b- from say doing csr or doing responsible things to being responsible being responsible now, how does an organization become responsible through the line there is little point in polluting the planet and then spending a percentage of your profits to then s- create uh, some services around the uh, to mitigate the effects of that pollution that just doesn't make sense because no the funny thing is if you look at gdp calculation that becomes incremental to the gdp so if you have messed up and then you spend money to clear that mess you are adding to the gdp of a nation
1: and that's that's
2: exactly what i meant by you know the travesty around uh, uh, around why it is really Very important to look at the largest or a a better defined set of metrics. So to me, it it is really around around there about being responsible and therefore being responsible, not just in a philosophical sense, you begin in that philosophical sense, but being responsible with the kind of metrics that you create for yourselves. So rather than say that I have polluted and therefore I've spent so much money on CSR, I will start by saying that I will not pollute and I'm willing to take a hit on my profits whether it's short term, medium term, long term, then do that. So to me, that shift is absolutely fundamental.
1: At a very basic level, from doing good to being good, when it comes to corporates, corporates are a collective of humanity in in many ways. How can organizations cultivate that not at a system and a process level, but also at an individual human employee by employee level?
2: Absolutely wonderful. I, I think that's often overlooked because it actually begins with the leadership. I think it begins with you now for, for a long period of time, we believed that uh, the role of leadership is to take a particular entity, be it a you know a corporate organization or, or the government or any other enterprise, um, towards its its committed goals. And I think, therefore, the purpose of leadership then becomes what really are my committed goals and what committed goals am I really veering my organization towards? And therefore, then there is no tension between what the government does and what a corporate organization does. Because if their committed goals are actually shared goals and there are different pathways leading to those shared goals, I'm not a believer that companies should make profit and the government should simply... Uh, led companies to do what they want to do and therefore take a share of that profits and trickle down. I'm not at all a fan of that because clearly Mm -hmm. around the world and as demonstrated by the SDGs, we haven't solved any problem over the mm -hmm. last 100 years. We are still chasing the problem. We are still running behind the problem. So if we were to do that, I think we need to look at leadership and we need to look at what exactly is the leadership chasing? What truly are the metrics? I keep going back to that. You know, it's not about the stated purpose. It's not about good intent. My mother used to often say to me as a child that good intent is only the beginning. Good deed is and transformation of that deed into intent is where you make a difference. So the fact that you thought well is, is actually even more dangerous than you acted poorly because you actually thought well and acted poorly. So I think that's really where leadership plays a very very important role, and the metrics that the leadership chases plays an even more important role.
1: So, so let's let's make it a little more practical. Yeah, leadership is committed, but having said that, leadership also has the responsibility of delivering to shareholders the value that. It It's expected to deliver because when it comes to the short term versus the long term, the short term uh, need of business always takes over. How do you solve that dilemma?
2: And that's exactly the question, Anisha, that what are the needs of the business? What are the stated goals? If, for example, we had better metrics around Mm. what should be the multiple between CEO pay and average worker pay? And we track that Mm. at a national level. Mm. And organizations reported it mm. in their annual reports. Mm. And that was mandated by the government that you cannot go beyond a certain multiple. Mm. I think these are the kind of challenges. And now that's one metric. Mm. What if another metric was that in the you know, stakeholders, we had the community that we are trying to impact as an important stakeholder. Mm. So what if people who didn't buy from us had a stake in what we do? Mm. But what if we had a stats? tax? What we had assessed hmm. on financial transactions, the stock market transactions. Hmm. Therefore, you incentivized long term value creation. You disincentivized short term trading and the algorithmic trading, which, which allows companies to move around their quarterly profits and really impact their quarterly profits to generate what they call long term shareholder value. So I think it's all three of these. Who really is your stakeholder? Can the community impact not be a shareholder? B, what metrics you want to engage with, which allows you to act responsibly. And the third, what sort of advocacy you as a corporate organization hmm. engage yeah. with so that you are not susceptible and succumb hmm. to short-term market volatility and reports uh, hmm. that really govern your everyday work, whether it's uh, quarterly reports or quarterly earnings.
1: Hmm. Bhavani, your organization, Akshay Patran, at the forefront of this movement and so much to learn from there. I just want to give the mic over to you and tell us, you know, how does the whole model work at such a large scale? What can corporates learn from, you know, what Akshay Patra does? You know, what are some of the pitfalls they should watch out for?
2: Uh, well, thank you. That's very kind and very generous, and I'm extremely proud of what we do at Akshay Patra, not because of the fact that um, it is solving a big problem and at scale and with speed, but where all of these things that we are talking about are core to the organization. In other words, innovation is integrated within the organization. We don't do innovation. We attempt to be innovative. And also that is the principle that we then deploy with uh, our partners. So I'll give you an example. Uh, When we uh, work with sort of csr funding we are of course very happy to take some of that funding and use it towards feeding our children but at the same time we say you know akshapatra is a manufacturing ngo now there are not very many manufacturing ngos around the world because we cook a huge quantity of food every single morning um, and what that means is we for have to comply
1: statistics for for our audience just give us some stats
2: Well, we serve uh, more than 1.8 million children every single day of hotly prepared, freshly prepared uh, plate of food that beats all of the World Food Program norms that is, um, that has zero additives, zero preservatives, where the menu rotates every two weeks, where the food is designed to feed the mind, not just uh, you know uh, satiate the tongue or the body and most importantly the kind of impact that is that that is that this simple meal is created over for nearly 4 billion meals is that millions of families and lives have been transformed there are stories in Akshayapatra patra where the life where, where the son of or a daughter of someone who was six or seven generations illiterate has gone on to become a scientist and astrophysicist and many doctors, lawyers. And, and to me, one of the biggest sort of joys out of all of this is what has happened in the pandemic where thousands and thousands of Akshay patra alumni mm-hmm. came forward to create hugely transformational impact. And just in the last uh, 14 months, we've served more than 125 million meals just in India. And then again, we are doing a similar project in the United Kingdom where we serve a huge number of people every single day uh, who are in food poverty. So, But but what's even more fascinating is how all of this really works with external entities, corporate organizations, but equally within the organization. So I'll give you an example since we are talking about corporate social responsibility. When we would go to a corporate organization, we would not simply say we want a donation. What we would do is... The question is very different. What is it that you do best?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If was to brought be brought into Akshay Patra, we would together create transformational impact. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know uh, Bain is very good at strategy.
1: Mm. Hmm. So
2: let's do strategy together. Hmm. Why doesn't Bain do our strategy? Deloitte is very good at human resource mapping. And, and uh, why don't we do this together? Um, I'll give you an example. One example is what we did with Accenture Labs. So Accenture Labs obviously is a, is a technology arm of a large consulting organization. And together we sat around the table to say, what if we could implement a process that will allow us to save one rupee on every meal? Because if we saved a certain amount of money on every meal, we would serve millions of more meals together. And as a result, together with Accenture, we were able to deploy a supply chain, blockchain, disintegrated solution um, that allowed us to save that kind of money, which then allowed us to be able to propagate all of that value down the line in serving a larger number of meals, but also then help Accenture create a solution that they could then commercialize. So that, to me, is where the world needs to go. Uh, the world needs to not just simply say "X amount of money for x amount of work." That is important, and I'll never discount hmm. the value of it. Hmm. But if you were to reframe that question and ask this very, very fundamental question, what is it that you are good at? Hmm. if we were to do together,
1: hmm. would
2: unlock a lot more value hmm. than either of us trying to do it independently. So Akshay Patra has got no capabilities in blockchain, mm-hmm. no capabilities in real dis- disaggregating supply chains, and but Accenture Labs have, and together we introduce that technology, and that's why today we are working with artificial intelligence. We are looking at robotics. We are looking at we are one of the world's largest implementers of Kaizen. We have uh, all of the elements of good manufacturing practices. Our kitchens are ISO certified, and all of this is to produce a meal for a child so that they can go to school and a thousand rupees of donation. You could serve a child for an entire year.
1: Yeah.
2: My God. So That's The value it unlocks in contemporary India in 10 pounds or $15 or a thousand rupees uh, plus minus 5%, you could then serve more than 300 to 250 to 300 meals. And what those meals then do is bring children to school. They stay in education. And then they're able to then go on and do some of these amazing things that they want to do in, in, uh, in their life. So things that cannot be done just by self-help groups, things hmm. that cannot be done by the government, things that cannot be done by the corporate organization, when they combine with things that cannot be done by Akshay Patra. But then together you unlock the value. So the government does what they do best. Hmm. The corporate enterprise do what they do best. Hmm. And Akshay Patra do what they do best and i just call it the trisector model and that when the trisector comes together 1 plus 1 plus 1 is 10
1: beautiful thank you so much bhavani you know there are so many takeaways here an integrated model a demonstrable model that is working on positivity and hope it's actually talking about saying make it uh, don't make it a charity make it a responsibility don't make it a burden make it a responsibility you know make sure that it begins at the top. Leadership walks the talk. I mean, every single word that you said, the world really needs it. And what better time than this, Bhavani, to get that message across to the world? Thank you so much. So, as always, Naran, what is the single most important insight you are taking out of everything Bhavani said?
0: No, absolutely, Anisha. I mean, as much as I was riled up in the beginning, I have to say I felt like a kid in a toy shop when I heard that. Uh, perspective from from Bhavani and as and as an analogy might seem in this context, I wanted to grab every single insight he was offering and find ways to implement them. They were so fundamental and yet so groundbreaking. There's something I've been saying lately uh, based on a bunch of things I have been reading and practicing. Uh, the world does not have an innovation shortage. Uh, Bhavani spoke about how uh, Akshay Patra is uh, partnering with the likes of Accenture Labs, right? and it's brilliant for them, right? and it's addressing this point. The world does not have an innovation shortage. What it has is a progress shortage. And Bhavani asked that question so eloquently: How can we deploy innovation in the service of progress and in the process stating the most obvious and basic of tenets to corporates? First, do no harm. Whether this... whether with his first principles or with the outstanding example that Akshay Patra seems to be. Bhavani, offered up too many insights for me to pick just one. So let me flip it back to you, Anisha. How would you storm this norm? What hacks do you have for our audience?
1: I believe the real value of mandatory regulation will only get unlocked with if Indian companies integrate their CSR efforts into a sustainable business strategy and not merely see it as a duty to earmark financial outlay. Mm. So if I look at my hacks, there are five of them in no particular order. First one is actually what the current crisis actually brings me to talk about it much more than anything else. Mm. Human social responsibility, not just corporate social responsibility. One of the, components of CSR is about putting a human face on business entities by communicating empathy, understanding and support, both moral and financial, for those who need it most. At this time of uncertainty and anxiety, these are the most critical organizational values. Said, we are experiencing a very unique and unprecedented situation in our country. Going by the multiplicity nature of the COVID-19, the government... Hmm and resources are not sufficient to fight against the pandemic.
0: Hmm.
1: Businesses, philanthropy and civil society need to all respond to COVID-19 together. But financial support alone is not the answer. Hmm. Corporates have to roll up their sleeves and get down to the last mile execution effort. Most CSR in, in businesses is executed through outsourced NGOs, but under the current circumstances, conventional methods will not work. We want all employees and their hands on the deck at this point in time to come and support as on human grounds the crisis that the country is facing. Our employees and their families are going through several mental and emotional issues. Can we provide them with services such as confidential listening lines to give them emotional support? Can we help unemployed people find transitory work opportunities? can we use our might to bring about policy level changes that will help the country with much needed reforms especially in the area of health infrastructure this is an opportunity for corporates to offer their human resources by turning these into virtual opportunities so that employees can find it easy to volunteer and feel a personal impact that they can be that can be really rewarding for both employees and recipients and community at large so, this is an opportunity for businesses to make CSR the truly inclusive effort and shift it from a current 2% financial support ma- mindset to a larger human face of CSR.
0: Human social responsibility, not corporate social responsibility. I mean, if corporate were to just implement this one hack, it would, be, it would make such a huge difference, Anisha.
1: Thank you, Narayan. My second hack is about divorcing the corporate from the social responsibility about releasing the business pressure from CSR activities. There is increasing pressure to dress up CSR as a business discipline and demand that every initiative deliver business results. That's asking too much of CSR and distracts from what must be its main goal to align a company's social and environmental activities with its business purpose and values. If in doing so, CSR activities mitigate risks, enhance reputation and contribute to business results, that is all to the good. But for many CSR programs, those outcomes should be spillover, not the reason for being. Despite the widely accepted ideal of pursuing shared values, creating economic value in ways that also create value for society is the true potential of CSR. And that's what I've started saying. You know, how do you integrate it to your business strategy? You know, not necessarily as a business measure outcome. Mm. DSR that runs the gamut from pure philanthropy to environmental sustainability to the active pursuit of shared value aligned to your larger organization. purpose.
0: This is such a fresh perspective, Anisha. I mean, most of the time in trying to align with this larger purpose-driven organization, uh, companies end up muddling both rather than clarifying both. What's number three?
1: (laughs) Connect the dots cohesively, consistently. There are many companies that have embraced this broad vision of CSR, but they are hampered by poor coordination and a lack of logic connecting their various programs. So it's become very tactical in nature. Although numerous surveys have doubted the increased involvement of CEOs in CSR, we have found that CSR programs are often initiated and run in an uncoordinated way by a variety of internal managers, frequently Mm. without the active engagement of the CEO. Coordinating activities does not mean that they all address the same social or environmental challenge. It means they form a coherent portfolio in keeping with the firm's purpose and values. So don't treat it like a tactical activity, you know, where there are different NGOs approaching different managers asking for personal favors and personal requests while on humanitarian grounds, they may all be justified. But even if you agree to that, How are you connecting and joining the dots? How are you at an organization level reviewing this and making sure that it is actually creating some impact? So that's what is the most important
0: thing. All right. What's number four?
1: I think spreading the word is very important. Uh, While CSR should never be about bragging and self-promotion, companies have a responsibility to communicate to their stakeholders what they are doing. Knowing how to effectively do so is a crucial part of a successful CSR strategy, because if you communicate, you find partnerships, you find like-minded people coming and joining you. In today's day and age, that's equally important to amplify your CSR efforts. To begin with, unify with a stakeholder-wise communication strategy and be consistent, okay? To ensure your giving campaign runs as smoothly as possible, make sure everyone has the tools, guidance, and resources needed to fuel the message. Provide materials, posters, and templates with messaging and social media plans. You'll be surprised if a good effort, if communicated well, you will have so many other people, both individuals and private organizations and government, wanting to join forces. And that is what will create the amplification and a larger impact. So spreading the word, onboarding other people is what is very important.
0: Now I get a little creative here, Anisha. I think uh, you know we've, we've spoken about the importance of corporate. We've spoken about the importance of responsibility. But maybe it's time we interpret the word social in the current way that Gen, that Gen Z interprets it, which is actually mm-hmm. socialize it. Use the power of social to you know, take advantage of what you do. All right, What's the last one?
1: it's very basic it's very hygiene but like i said you know csr is not a corporate function it's a it's a company-wide responsibility we have to get all hands on the deck early ask for help from many diverse hands throughout the organization i've seen many many employees wanting to participate in csr activities but these become like one-off camps that are organized or the tactical activity where employees are taken for plantation of trees or they will be taken for some teaching sessions to a village and stuff like that. But that stays as a one-off. How do we have our CSR program in a manner that our employee participation is continuous activity, not a one-off? So so that's what I meant by make it a company-wide responsibility.
0: You know what, Anisha? I mean, I love how you brought these hacks to the table and yet they all stem from the basic concept except that we've been speaking about CSI, right? You know, make the responsibility human, uh, divorce the corporate from the social responsibility, connect the dots, spread the word, and make it a company-wide responsibility. Those are just five of the most um, fundamental, but even possibly groundbreaking hacks that one can use to find the balance between regulation and responsibility. So as usual, insightful, practical, and may I add, urgently wise, Anisha.
1: We do have a knack for picking up the right norms at the right point in time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Happily so. Yeah. Well, that, that also gives us a good place to segue into our GT Insights module. Where today, we have GT expert Rohit Bahadur tell us how business can specifically help storm this norm. Rohit is partnered not-for-profit and CSR Advisory, having set up this business within GT Bharat six years ago. Rohit, what practical advice do you have for businesses in navigating the storm between regulation and responsibility?
3: Well, in a sense, uh, corporate social responsibility continues to remain a corporate social responsibility. The purpose of corporate social responsibility is to give back to the community, take part in philanthropic causes and provide positive social value. This has not changed. And of course, it continues to be a regulation in India since the introduction of the CSR law in 2014. The change that has really happened is that while there have been minor tweakings to the CSR rules via notifications, this time the amendments to the law effective January 22nd, 2021 do provide clarity on various aspects and are quite detailed. So yes, It is more regulated now and there is a shift from directional to mandatory corporate social responsibility. Earlier, the law was a comply or explain law. So in a sense, if you did not spend 2% of average net profits of the last three years, you could explain why now you have to spend it. Mm -hmm. If not in the current year, over the next three years through an unspent CSR account for ongoing projects and for annual projects, you need to transfer the money to a fund specified in the law. Further, there is a strict penalty within the act itself for not complying. In a sense, the act and the law was a bit half-baked earlier and now there is more clarity on how to treat capital assets More public disclosures, more ownership on the board, a mandatory impact assessment over a certain threshold and the CFO being more responsible through a certification to be provided to the board. Many things have been now specified in the law itself, which otherwise were voluntary and implied. Mm -hmm. I, I think what is more pertinent here to discuss is. Which of these changes are potentially good and which potentially could be adverse and or difficult to implement? Few good points, in my view, is the accent on greater governance and Mm. making CSR measurable through an impact assessment. On the flip side, things have been unnecessarily been made more complex. Mm. There There is the piece on unspent amount accounting division Mm. of projects into ongoing and in year, which are going to lead to interpretation issues. Mm. Also, there is some confusion and duplication on the responsibilities of the CSR committee and the board. On a closing note, responsible corporates will always do their CSR responsibly. And the law Mm. with its changes is just a framework in which to operate.
0: That's so succinct. Thank you so much. Uh, if I may paraphrase what you've said, it, what it sounds like is instead of looking at the Act as um, constraining, in fact, what it's saying is that there is uh, very little that one can say is responsibility without accountability and the regulation aids in adding that uh, element of accountability to corporate social responsibility. That'd be accurate? Absolutely. I think you're You've got it bang on. Brilliant. Thank you for laying that out so loosely and thank you once again for being an expert from G.T. Bharat today on this. A norm that is perhaps more relevant than ever today, a deeply insightful and expert guest perspective, hacks to storm the norm, and a business perspective. That's a full plate to wrap up episode 21 of Storm the Norm, now powered by Grant Thornton Bharat. As always, there are multiple places you can catch us on, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Geo7 by just searching for Storm the Norm. A little plug, uh, we were actually ranked number 6 on Spotify's Top 100 Business and Technology podcasts. so maybe you can find some value in what we have to discuss as well. Oh, We're also on Sarigama Carvan 2.0 devices on channel 453. This is Narayan and Anisha signing off for now. We'll be back with a new episode shortly. Thank you and talk to you soon. Thank you.